0: This morning, if we can get the first slide up there, that would be really helpful. Um, since I last spoke, I've turned the big four o. So uh, yeah, yeah. I never thought I'd live this long, Brian. I never thought I'd live this long. Um, so apparently, I'm halfway now. Apparently, that's it. You know. So uh, I'm not not believing that. So <laughs> um, yeah. So I've got two really interesting cards. One of them was um, from my parents, um, who said they're feeling remarkably old now that I've turned 40, and the, the card said on it, um, you're not over the hill, you've just got a really good view. And I thought, oh, yeah, that doesn't really help. Um, uh, <laughs> so I suppose I'm at the summit, if you like. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, and, and then the second one was from Paul Worth, actually, can you imagine? Yeah, uh, and he said, uh, the card said, um, are we getting older and wiser, or is everyone else getting younger and stupider? And that was more along the lines of where I was at So, yeah, so here we are. And I'm talking about, uh, and I I apologize for the hashtag. I am talking about hashtag for a reason. Hashtag restoration. And this morning, uh, I'm going to be making reference to our tagline that's been on the bottom of the slides all day for the singing. It says, pursuing God, dot, 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 transforming lives. And we hear a lot, don't we, about pursuing God. We focus a lot on that in this church. And what I want to speak about today is the next bit about how we transform lives. And can we? I'm going to challenge you a little bit in terms of how we do that and, and, and bring Jesus into that in a sense that it's not us that changes lives, it's him through us. Just like we've been saying. He knocks on the door, it's up to us to open it. Okay? So, three hours. if you're taking notes, which is always nice to see. <laughs> so, Three Rs teaching. You know, I thought I've always thought that's weird. They talk about the three Rs in teaching, and only only one of them belo- begins with R. Reading. And they talk about writing and arithmetic. So, is that some kind of in joke in education? I don't know. I've been a teacher for years and still don't get that. So the three Rs today are: Jesus remains when everything else is gone. Jesus redeems what is broken. And Jesus restores what is lost. I say it again, Jesus remains when everything else is gone. Jesus redeems what is broken. Jesus restores what is lost. And part of this is going to be some teaching on how Jesus transforms lives, and part of it's going to be some personal testimony from the last few years to explain how I know that. So strap in. Hold tight. Okay, so first thing is that Jesus remains when everything else is gone. And can we get Luke 7, the next slide, please, Ben. Um, Luke 7, 36 to 50. We've just got the first bit on the first slide, and then it rolls on to the next slide. Hopefully, there we go. So you can follow it with me if you haven't got a Bible. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. He's talking about Jesus, obviously. And he went, Jesus went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Next slide. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. (laughs) Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you, go in peace. (laughs) I like to think he was smiling as he said that. And then the looks on the Pharisees' faces. Dare he do that? I mean, there's three things here that really would have been um, scandalous to the Jews of the time, and particularly to Pharisees, who were very strict. First of all, this was a woman. She was not allowed at dinner. I've been reading up on this. The women had to stay out when the men were eating. They were providing the food, not eating it. That's the way they were treated. It's a very sexist society. So the women should have been outside, and particularly a woman of this sort of character. This was outrageous for a Pharisee. How dare she come in the room? Secondly, it says that her hair was down and she was drying his feet with her hair. In their culture, you only let your hair down if you're a prostitute because you were selling something. So again, this is repulsive to a Pharisee, to be in the same room as this woman. Although, knowing them and what we know about the Pharisees, many of them may have used her services hypocritically. And Jesus knew that. She was caressing and kissing Jesus' feet in an unseemly manner. For a woman to touch a man in such a way was scandalous. They would have seen it as she's attempting to seduce Jesus. Not she's cleaning his feet and worshipping him for who he is. But in their eyes, this was disgusting, repulsive, outrageous. How dare he even speak to her? Now, I just want you to understand that. Because when you understand that, the whole thing makes more sense than what Jesus was doing. She had nothing to lose. She was already the lowest of the low. But she came in there because she had a mission And her mission was she knew that she needed a new start in her life. So she burst into that room and she smashed that alabaster jar, expensive jar, probably the most valuable thing she had. And she poured it all over his dirty feet. And she cried onto his feet. She kissed his feet. And she just just loved on him. She just loved on him. See, when you have nothing to live for, Jesus is there. When everyone says you're nothing, when you're down and on your own and everything's gone, Jesus is still there. And he's still smiling at you because he loves you and he offers you a new start no matter what anyone thinks. No matter what anyone says about you. It doesn't matter. So the second R, Jesus redeems What is lost? Let's go on to Acts 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Bear in mind this is after the Holy Spirit's been poured out in the upper room and tongues of fire and they've all gone out and they've preached the gospel and the church is starting. Crazy things are happening all over Jerusalem. A man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms Um, it's A-L-M-S he did have arms (laughs) of those entering the temple seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple he asked to receive arms handouts and Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said look at us and he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them here we go Peter said I have no silver and gold And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, I've come back to this story, having been taught on it myself about 20 years ago, and thinking, great, it's all about miracles. It's more than that. God's revealed something new to me. And as a teacher of PE, I teach the theory of how the body learns skills and how the body works and everything else. So I know that if you've never walked since birth, even if you get healed, you ain't going to get up and start leaping. You're going to get up and maybe go, whoa, what's happening? You're going to be unsteady because you've got no skill. You don't know how to walk. You've never tipped your body forward and actually done that. So I know from my knowledge that this is extraordinary. This is more than a healing. This is more than a healing. Look what happens. He's got no muscle tension, no strength in his legs, never learned the skill of walking, let alone jumping. Peter says, rise up. At that point, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Father, what do you want to call it, God, restores the nervous system in his legs and the vascular system going through the muscles, restores it to how it should be for a man his age. Then he says, walk. And this is where he is restored to how he should be. And he creatively, God creatively gives him stronger muscles, gives him muscle memory in the fibers, so they know how to move, how to walk and jump and makes him just like everyone else. No wonder people were amazed. They obviously thought, oh, he's been faking it all these years. No, no, people would have said, he was he was lame from birth. We've never seen him walk. Amazing. That wasn't Jesus, by the way. That was Peter and John acting in the name of Jesus. There's no difference, actually, between Peter and John and you and me. No, it's not heresy. <laughs> they were the apostles, of course. Jesus said, we will all do these things. The Holy Spirit leads you into these situations so he can help you to do this stuff. It's about faith, it's about trying, it's about failing, it's about getting up and doing it again. Sometimes it takes time. A lot of time. You see, Jesus allowed himself to be crucified to pay the price for our sin, and that was a heck of a price. We've talked about that over the last few weeks. He cried out, it is finished. He meant sin, sickness, death is now finished. When he rose again, he made that clear in his actions. And he said, Go and do the same. Go and do what I did show people that the broken can be redeemed. Amen. That man gained his legs. <laughs> I bet he was pretty pleased about it and a bit confused. At first, he was probably wondering what he's going to do for a job now. Because basically his job was making money for his friends and, and himself. So he had to get himself a new job. Um, but he was a sign to everyone that Jesus was still alive. These things were happening all over the place. Just they got recorded. So he got restored. Which takes me on to the final one. The third R, Jesus restores what is lost. And we're in Luke 7 for this, again. Two stories. The first one, after Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, I like not the say that, he entered Capernaum, not a big place. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. Another come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. I had to teach an RE lesson this week. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. But you know when God's favor is upon you, when you walk in the room, pick up the work. And the kids are all there waiting for their lesson. And it says, the experience of Christians. Miracles. (laughs) I was like, yes! (laughs) Something I know about. (laughs) I hope I didn't say too much. Could be in trouble next week. But hey, I was able to tell them about healing and what Jesus did. Because there was a story about healing from Luke. So I shared that. And the kids were all sat there going, what's all that about then? So I said, well, that's what it's like in Daventry. Um, and I said, I said, I've experienced this. And I said, I-, I can tell you I've seen miracles. And they went, what? Suddenly, all set up in their seats. What's that then? Tell us. So I told them a couple of simple things I've seen. Um, someone deaf who was able to hear instantly. Someone uh, who hurt his leg and got healed. <laughs> and, um, and they had tons of questions about that. We kind of abandoned the lesson in the end and had a chat because it was, there were so many questions. So, you know, you can imagine um, 11-year-old children. So, uh, I, I, I kind of went down the line of, you can choose to believe this if you wish. I'm just telling you what I am what, what I believe. You know, so, But it was amazing how these questions came out. And one of the questions was, do you have to touch them to heal them? And I said, no, you don't. And I told them about that story where Jesus just Said, "Let it be done," and it was done miles away. <laughs> so, um, so that's another extraordinary thing of restoration. Second one is the next slide, um, and it's it's just the next verse really. It says, "Soon afterward, he went to a town called Name, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him." So, you can just imagine it's like people movement, moving through the streets and across the countryside, <laughs> the deserts of Israel, and wandering into just random villages. <laughs> It's like there's a thousand people on the way <laughs> Get the get the watermelons out, you know. <laughs> get the corn out. Let's get something let's get something sold. <laughs> As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the beer. And no, don't. It's, it's another name for a funeral cortege. Okay? And the bearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. Ooh. Now, that would be out of order in our culture. I don't know about this. So, and the dead man sat up. <laughs> and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all. I can imagine. And they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and the surrounding country. So this is going crazy now. If, if there was social media, it would have lit up. Twitter, Twitter would have gone mad. It would have been a global explosion of tweets at this point. <laughs> you see two things here there's the first story with the centurion and his servant who's close to death and then there's the second one with the widow whose only son is dying and they seem like fairly insignificant events to be honest you know in the the general run of things servants die no one really is sad about it because they're servants they're slaves effectively but for this centurion this particular servant is a close friend he's become a friend over the years and he cares about him and he's a good man too the second one, the lady whose son is dying, well, it happens. You know, it would have been one of those things where people would have gone, oh, that's sad. Oh, well, I suppose we'll have a funeral. You know? But Jesus looks at these two situations. He looks at the centurion. He goes, you have a good heart. And I don't want you to be without your friend. And that grieves him. So he heals him. <laughs> Just heals him. Because he's a good man. And because he asked. Him, because he had faith. And because he did he did the right things, really. But he was a good guy. And his heart was good. Jesus knows your heart. So he heals this guy's servant. People would have gone, wow, okay. But then, why did he heal the son? And, and it occurs to me that if you're a widow in that culture, you've got no one. You're, you're dependent on your husband. And if her only son dies, she has nothing. The next one to die is her. You know, that's the way it's going to go. But he has compassion on her. Talks a lot about women in the in the New Testament and he restores the son's life from his funeral pyre so that he could help his mum. And I want to say something quite controversial here, but Jesus challenged the sexists and the racists of his day and the hypocrites. He allowed women to be equal with men. Scandalously, actually told a story about a Samaritan which would have been outrageous don't you know who the Samaritans are they're like our worst enemies and he says it's actually the Samaritan that stops on the road and helps somebody hang on a minute I'm not relating to that (laughs) well he used it deliberately to challenge their racism Jesus wasn't a racist he wasn't a sexist either he confronted the religious leaders that was dangerous and he challenged them over their hypocrisy he called them a brood of vipers to their face he yelled it out in the street I mean <laughs> he knew he was going to the cross he knew sometimes we ignore that side of Jesus because he's all about justice as well as love mercy justice he took him on so um, we come to uh, the bit where i testify a little bit okay and this um, it's quite hard for me to do some of you know my situation you know where i've been and Um, what I've been doing. I'm going to read out 12 things that happened in the last three years. Um, All of them are true. (laughs) So uh, a few years ago, I was promoted two levels to start a new sixth form at my school. Uh, I was just a PE teacher. I did really well on an interview. Knocked their socks off. And they went, yeah, fantastic. You're going to be the head of sixth form. You're going to start this sixth form, take it to great heights. It's going to be amazing. I had a great summer holiday thinking about it. Planning. Starting to... Cast vision for what it was going to be. Almost, well, literally, on my first day at work in September, the head teacher was sacked. Um, that's unusual. The results weren't good enough. He got sacked. The governing body was chucked out. Uh, my strongest supporters and allies left. Um, no one actually realized who I was for a while. I was supposed to be in the leadership meetings. No one invited me Um, because no one really realised who I was. A temporary head teacher walked out after three days, because she didn't have time. Um, A retired head with a reputation for coercive leadership was appointed a bully. They brought in uh, a sledgehammer to crack a nut. I was removed from the leadership team for no reason other than it needed to be smaller. It was uh, too big, unwieldy. School was given to an academy chain, which was in financial difficulties and Uh, The CEO of the chain, who'd shaken me by the hand and congratulated me, um, then left under an expensive scandal. (laughs) I've got every right to be cynical. There was a mini-riot in the school, which involved about 18 police coming in to calm it down. head teacher locked herself in her office. Roughly 200 students left, were removed by their parents, Or didn't come to the school in the first place because of the reputation. Everything I'd spent 10 years building up was forgotten and lost, and our reputation was in tatters. In all of that, I had to keep going, and it was hard because the kids, it wasn't their fault, and I felt personally responsible that they should have a good education. And that the bit I could affect, I was going to make sure it was good. Unfortunately, it wasn't good enough. And I was removing my position last summer. So it's getting pretty bad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I lost count of the number of times I prayed to God for a change, for a solution, for a new leader to come in. I was very, very specific with God as to what I wanted because I was in it. I was in that situation I wanted a dynamic Christian leader who could drive it forward on all fronts. Someone who would be just as at home standing here this morning as they are in front of an assembly. That's what I wanted, and I prayed for that. A tough, no-compromise head who wouldn't tolerate extreme poor behaviour. Disrespect and those types of things. Someone who would actually do something about it. Someone who would encourage and build up people, not criticise and knock them down. Well, not surprisingly, last summer Ofsted visited, last summer, last winter, and put us into special measures. That should have been the death blow. That should have been the sign-off, this place is finished. (laughs) It's not getting any better now. The academy chain was slated in the press. They actually inspected 16 academies at the same time, in the same chain, to find out what was going on. Discovered quite a lot. Morale was desperately low. And then God started. (laughs) This was the point where I was ready to walk. (laughs) I was at the point where I was thinking, no, that's it. I've had enough of this teaching profession now. It's not working. I was getting quite cynical. You know, it's easy to get cynical and start blaming the government for everything. You blame the leadership for everything. People criticize. i stood strong for about two years, saying positives only. Nothing negative came out of my mouth. But even I was slipping and I was getting negative. So this is what happened. Back in June, the principal left immediately. Literally, I'm leaving in 10 minutes. My car's started. (laughs) She got a round of applause, but I'm not sure why. (laughs) The new principal started the following week. And guess what? He's a Christian in the Salvation Army of some reputation, I have to say. He's an experienced, dynamic leader with a great track record. Straight off a CV, isn't it? But he is. He has high moral standards, won't tolerate poor behavior. He's done nothing but encourage, strengthen systems, promote the positives, and morale, as of now, is at an all-time high. It's unbelievable. Can you move on the slide, please, Ben? I have the answer to my prayers um, right here. This is a tweet. Um, we have. Um, he's, he's quite into Twitter, and uh, he's been using Twitter as his one of his methods of promoting the place. And this is a tweet from last week. We had our open evening. And he was talking about, come and ask us about our hashtag fish philosophy. This is fish. And this is what he's using to transform our culture. It basically has four little, um, can you move it on again? Four little uh, tenets. It's from a fish factory in Seattle. (laughs) And it's five million copies. If you're a leader in any situation or a manager, get a copy of fish. It'll change the way you work. And he just said, these people, they worked in a horrible situation. They worked in a fish factory. It was smelly. It was cold. They had to start at 4 a.m. It was miserable. They're up on the Canadian border. It's pretty chilly. So they decided they had to change something. So they came up with these four little rules. And he said, first of all, we're going to choose our attitude. We're going to try and be positive when we come in. (laughs) So say funny things to each other rather than putting each other down or criticizing. Make their day. When the customers come in, they throw a fish at them. Just have a bit of fun. They just have a bit of a laugh, really. The Be there. You know, it's actually turn up. Because you know? <laughs> sometimes you don't want to, do you? Uh, and, and finally play, which is the throwing the fish and being silly. And you know what? Their customers just loved it. And they, they signed up in huge numbers. They, they, they still go there now. Thousands of people turn up there so say it's the best fish I've ever had. Because they get a laugh with it. And he's changing our entire culture. Now, I'm not here to preach about fish. But I thought I'd show you the tool that he's using. It took me by surprise because it's so Christian in its methodology. It's, it's a bit wet because it got wet last week. But it's... Um, <laughs> was, it felt like it. It felt like it in Derbyshire last week. Yeah. So he's doing it. He's just doing it. He's being the change. He's come in and, and straight away I said to him, you're the answer to my prayers. I emailed him because I was too scared to say it to his face. I said, dear sir, <laughs> you may be the answer to my prayers. And he just replied, bless you. I was like, wow, didn't expect that from my head. <laughs> I don't normally get bless you, I don't normally get speak to me in the morning. <laughs> or something like that. So what a change. And, and things are just turning around so quickly um, because he's the right man for the job. But I had to wait for that. That was really hard. Lucy knows, um, and others will know. Exactly how it felt to go through that. In Revelation three twenty, um, Jesus says, the time's going on." I be, uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Yes, See, I believe Jesus is standing at the door of your situation today, knocking. Yeah. He was standing at the door of my situation, knocking, and I'd stop listening. I got to the point where I thought, that's it, he's not coming, I'll do my own thing. Okay? And who could could blame me, to be honest? You know, after all I went through, it it just wasn't what I signed up for. And I bet there's some people here this morning feeling just the same. Thinking, this isn't what I signed up for. Well, there is a reason. (laughs) There is a reason for this. And I can stand here on the other side now to tell you that you will come through this. And Jesus will remain. He will redeem and he will restore the whole situation. Because only he can, actually. And he knows exactly what is needed in your situation. Just keep praying. Keep praying that it will come. Our church, this church, has transforming lives in its DNA. It's in our strap line. And I believe, even this morning, that God's going to release a corporate anointing on us to be change makers and restorers. And I want to start with anyone who feels that they're in a situation that they can't get out of. I'd just like to come to the front, actually, and we're going to pray for you. So if you're in a situation, you can do it right now, um, where you know that you're, like I was, stuck in a situation you didn't sign up for, in a situation where you don't know how to get out of it, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, or whether you're even going to have a job, (laughs) etc. It could be a family situation, too that just seems unsolvable. Why don't you come down the front now and we'll pray for you straight away. Can we stand up, please? Can we just all stand up? This would be easier if we're... I don't want to embarrass people. I'm not here to point people out. Um, but what I want to do is I want to pray for breakthrough with people because I've seen it happen and it just it lifts you. So be brave, folks. Be brave. because uh, Thank you. It's important that you respond on these situations because you know what? God honors that. It makes no difference to me if no one comes, but people will. And you know why? Because it matters. And I wept many times for my school. I grieved for my school. And you know what the head teacher said? He said, the kids are grieving too. They want their school back. Well, you know what, guys? God sees your tears and he keeps them. And he's going to make sure that every one of those tears is paid for. And it's going to get better and better.